gun. Denver rushes three. Flacco steps up. Throws deep. Far sideline. Jacoby Jones has it at the 20. Jacoby Jones. Touchdown. Ravens. No flags on the play. And the miracle is answered. I told you don't give up. I told you a little bit. And the Ravens are an extra point away. What is up, Football Nation? Welcome to the Football Nation Presents the Sportscasters Podcast, episode 36. It is January 16th, 2013. We are coming to you from Buffalo, New York. I am the host, Steve Bennett, with my co-host, Don Russ. What's up, Don? That is absolutely hilarious. Uh, Full disclosure, we use the same clip on our other podcast over at sports-casters.com. And I didn't let it run as long. When that, that color guy is the best color guy I have ever so heard. He happy. just loses his... He's so <laughs> happy. <laughs> like, right when he makes the catch, before he even makes it to the end zone, his initial woo is hilarious to me. I was dying. That is, as I said on the other podcast, right out of the home radio Homer call playbook. Like, it's perfect. That's phenomenal. That's what you want your home radio guys to sound like when your team wins a playoff game like that. They were pumped. Joe Flacco wasn't that pumped on the play. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of laughed to myself when I realized that he says the Broncos rush three. That means they had eight guys <laughs> back there trying to defend that play. And Nobody we'll behind the, more, the punt returner, right, as we'll you call it. into that more. But uh, welcome to the show, uh, footballnation.com. We're the sportscasters, sports-casters.com. Follow us on Twitter at sports underscore casters. Our, our New Year's resolution, I think, as a podcast is to promote ourselves a little bit more. Like, yeah, I think we've come to grips. It's okay that people who listen to this actually know who we are. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, that's okay. Uh, Mark Bradley is on the show today. He's not the former Oklahoma Sooners wide receiver who ruined the Orange Bowl uh, when we got oh, killed yeah. by USC. Uh, he's a 25-year sports columnist from the Atlanta area, and I figured it was only right to have an Atlanta writer on, considering we've basically dismissed Atlanta since they were about 5-0. and Yeah, and we, I did it again last week a little yes, bit. And, uh, Although I, to say that one, like, like we, on our other show, we do a pick four segment where we pick games against the spread. Uh, we picked all the... Uh, the, the divisional right games. we picked all four of them last week i picked atlanta but right you picked I atlanta i picked like super confident about seattle, it. seattle i think plus one or something it was a flip them game i think if somebody told you after that game like see i told you that's exactly why atlanta <laughs> was gonna win or that's exactly why seattle lost i think they'd be reaching a little bit it was just a close game like like we thought but and yeah, we'll i was in, wrong we'll get into the more uh want to re- thank mike tanier for being on the show last week uh, I think I said to Mike, am I oversimplifying it by saying that I don't think Colin Kaepernick can beat Aaron Rodgers in a he playoff said yes. game? And he said yes. <laughs> so he was and right. He was right. And that's why we have these guys on. Right. You know what I mean? I, I don't think we're uh, the, the guys maybe you should be. Listen to the guests. Yes. Yeah, the guests are smart. Uh, so I want to thank Mike for being on, and I want to thank Mark, who's on this week, and Carrie for being on the week before. We did a ton of downloads with Carrie J. Byrne. Carrie J. Byrne is officially like a rock star. Yeah, I guess so, especially in Boston. Yeah, and on Football Nation, where right, he's, right. You know, I the guess man. really known. Yeah. Uh, so uh, thanks to all of our most recent guests, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. How high up the ladder we can get next week when everyone is basically waiting for the, for the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Yeah. I hope that we're going to pull a pretty big name out for next week. Ooh. I'm on the path of a couple of big ones. Ooh. We'll see how high we get. All right. Uh, all right. Let's uh, get into this and do three things. Let's play a game. All right. Count of three. One. All righty. I'll take it off. The oil patterns on a PBA lane are very, very difficult. I might be able to beat Jamarcus Russell at quarterback. (laughs) This is the funnest night ever! (laughs) Did we just become best friends? Yep! Now let's move on to other business. I I just want to say that uh, 
that highlight makes me so happy still. That's a great highlight. <laughs> that cracks me up. Like the end of it when he goes, I told you not to count him out. And he's like, you did, you did. <laughs> we, were, we were kind of comparing it like in terms of funny highlights to the Tracy Porter pick on Brett Favre when the it's the opposite kind of enthusiasm yeah. from no! Minnesota. This isn't Detroit. This is the Super Bowl. <laughs> this is for the Super Bowl. That's great. Yeah. All right, uh, we're gonna look back first, and uh, we kind of beat up the wild card week for being boring. And this week was anything but. Uh, every game was pretty competitive. Maybe mine. Well, there were two games that weren't as competitive, but they were still pretty entertaining. But first game first is the the game from the highlight. And that's the Ravens Broncos, where the game of the big play. Right? I mean, was there any? What was the shortest touchdown in this game? Maybe like one of hundred and four yards on a kick return. <laughs> Uh, Peyton Manning had a 15 and a 14 yard touchdown pass. Oh, and Ray Rice had a one yard run. Everything else was 17 yards or more. A lot of big plays. There was a 90 yard punt return, a 59 yard Torrey Smith pass, a 39 yard pick six, a 32 yard Torrey Smith pass, a 104 yard kick return, a 17 yard TD pass and a 70 yard pass at the end. So lots of big, big plays in the game. Big swings. Yeah, if Joe Flacco's good at one thing, it's throwing the ball hard. He can throw it far down the field. Sure can. Do you think this is kind of a question? We're going right off the right off topic right away. If Baltimore goes into New England this week and loses, which I expect them to do, and Vegas kind of agrees, they're about a 10 point dog right now. Do you think as a Baltimore fan, you're not overly pumped that Joe Flacco played this well in two games? Yeah, he certainly in the first, well, I mean, the first playoff game, he was nothing spectacular, but he didn't do anything to hurt the team. Right. And now he's play, he played really well yeah, against Denver. He played Denver. really well and stared Peyton Manning down, basically, in Peyton Manning's I mean, house. aided by a 70-yard touchdown that should have been swatted down. Yeah, I, I think... I mean, you can boil this whole game down to the fact that Denver, with 30 seconds left in the game, allowed Baltimore's punt returner, which is what Jacoby Jones is, and kickoff returner, to get behind eight guys probably (laughs) playing a three-deep zone type of defense in one of the worst safety plays I've ever seen. I never played football. Uh, have only been a fan, only claimed to be a fan, and when I watched the replay of that play, thought, why didn't the Denver defender turn his hips and, just and run, run with, with, the, yeah. with Jacoby Jones after the defender, the cornerback, passed him off, which seemed like the right play. It got really deep. The cornerback passed him off on the double move, which I think is what he's supposed to do. Right, You play the double move so you don't give up the 40-yard play, and then the safety makes sure you don't give up the 70-yard play. <laughs> or he's supposed I to. I think. And then when I was watching the highlights, I heard Deion Sanders yelling during it, turn your hips, turn your hips, turn your hips. <laughs> so I feel somewhat justified in my amateur analysis of the play. It was just horrible. Yeah, watching that play live, the way the safety played that, when you get like a long pass like that on TV, you've got like that – side like side angled view right and you're watching the safety backpedal and it's like oh man this is badly underthrown it got to be picked off and then it's he goes up in the air for it and all of a sudden the ball's 10 no, feet it's behind 10 him 10 yards out oh, behind oops. you that that poor guy i don't remember what his name is i don't even want to know yeah i don't yeah I'll just try not to remember it for his sake but that that is the single worst play i've seen by a safety in a huge moment like that it just terrible angle at that ball yes very bad and cowardly coaching uh, yes i think we're letting so. fox twice. off the hook and he's defending twice in it. the game he's defending it now he, twice they had the ball with around 30 ish seconds left to i think go. 37 and 30 with arguably three timeouts in the first half the best quarterback at the end of the game one of the best quarterbacks ever on your team why did you get him if not for moments like that and Either one of them, had they got into field goal range and kicked a field goal in a place that 60-yard field goals are not out of the question, especially by the kicker they have there. I know it's cold. I don't know what that does to the... Do you want to know why? Do you want to hear John Fox's explanation? I have a I'd quote. love to because I'm not going to buy it. But He says, you watch a 70-yard bomb go over your head. There's a certain amount of shock value, a little bit like a prize fighter who gets a right cross on the chin at the end of a round. You're just looking to get out of the round. 
Yeah. That's Broncos coach John Fox on decision to have Peyton Manning take a knee at the end of regulation. I, I whoops. I, yeah, that, th- there's no way you can justify that. That's on you're basically saying I think my chances of going out and throwing an interception are greater than my chances of going out and getting into field goal range. And I know his kicker badly missed a long field goal earlier in the game, but there's no harm to your field goal kicker missing a long field goal as at time the expires. End of the game. Yes. Right, at the time at the end of the half. He is he was 26 of 32 for the year. I don't have his number. I think he was very good over 50. I think they mentioned it. Right, and it's a and place the first one he clearly mishit. They had a great shot on CBS of his foot coming down well short of the ball and kind of skipping into it, which is why it was as ugly as it was. He was 3 for 4 for 50-plus, and his long this year was a 53-yarder, so nothing crazy. But like you said, there's no harm in lining up for a 60-yard field goal when time's going to run out. And you have the whole field at your disposal with the two field goals, so you can spread the defense out. He also, John Fox also said that there was two times only Peyton Manning only went downfield two times in the game. What does that mean? What's downfield? What are the two down with his 17 yard touchdown pass? Is that not downfield? Because the 17 yarder gets you to the 37 already, and right. you can call timeout right there. Okay, and then what does another 17 yarder do for you? Yeah, we've we've talked a lot on gets our gets you in range, right? Right. We've I talked mean, a lot on our other podcast about a book called Scorecasting and just the thinking of John Wertheim. I and mean, a big issue in that book is loss aversion. And John Fox is guilty of that in this game. People are going to point to this game when they look back at it as Peyton Manning throwing an interception in and overtime. And he threw a bad pick in overtime. Right. So he, did, he threw the classic running to the right, throwing across his body to the left towards the center of the field. I mean, so John Fox and regu- the ultimate mistake by a quarterback. John Fox, in doing what he did and coaching the way he coached, will not look at being won't be looked at too much for being at fault in this game. Whereas Peyton Manning throwing a pick in overtime is going to take all the blame for it. Ryan. Everyone's going to say there's Peyton Manning yep. in a big spot again, making a big error. That all could have been avoided had they kicked one field goal at the end of the first half or at the end of the game. and uh, Or had I'd a be, safety um, well, right, play, play safety. Yeah. But, yeah, I'd be kind of, kind of annoyed at my coach if I were in Denver right now. Um, the second game that day was a game that finished 45-31 to 31 and never felt that close. Again, the Packers in the division round, you were waiting and waiting and waiting for them, and they never came, kind of similarly to the way the Giants game played out in this round last year. Uh, Kaepernick got off to the bad start with the pick six, and uh, the Packers got a 14-7 lead at the end of the first quarter, but then the Niners took control of the game in the second quarter, outscoring them 17-7, to and then... Basically, the whole game, they kept the ball away from Rodgers and kept Rodgers on the sideline, and they did it using Colin Kaepernick's legs. Uh, He rushed for 181 181 yards, yards, which is more than any quarterback in any NFL game ever. They rushed for a total of 323 yards. Yeah, Frank Gore also was over 100 yards. We knew Green Bay's defense wasn't their strength, but they got gashed. 8 of 13 on third down, which is way better than you want a team to be I I started to say in the open that this week was better because there were close games and I was this is the game I kind of changed my this game wasn't even as close 75 as 75 plays for San Francisco to 56 for Green Bay uh 38 minutes of time in possession versus 22 for Green Bay obviously that favored San Francisco as well Green Bay scored a, a nothing touchdown with 57 seconds left so really this was about a, a 24 point win for San Francisco. They're just they they are playing incredibly hot right now and uh and I guess next time John or Jim Harbaugh in this case makes a decision about a quarterback, we should probably listen. I think we forget yeah. he was a really good quarterback himself. Uh he also coached Andrew Luck. Coached Andrew Luck and here he is he was also the coach who Alex Smith had the most success under last year. And here he is making a decision that took a lot of balls to make and being rewarded for it. So Yeah, I mean clearly at this point, despite even Alex if Smith's Ka- even if they lose this yeah, week. Yeah, I think Yeah, it's a no brainer. He's the better quarterback. He's yeah. he's a physical freak. It's just a matter of really him putting it all together and it seems like he is. And Don's gonna talk a little bit later about how smart the Bills were to avoid Colin Kaepernick Ugh. in the draft. Ugh. 
So um, Sunday afternoon. Yeah, real quick about the end of that game still. We were talking about how maybe New England had the recipe to put up points on San Francisco in that Monday night game. Even though New England lost, they put up a ton of points in like the third half, like the second half Real of the quickly. third and the fourth. Yep. Right, really quick. Maybe that was just a matter of the 49ers falling asleep in maybe. that game. So it'll be interesting to see how they do it against Atlanta this week. Third game, uh, first game on Sunday was the Seahawks-Falcons, maybe the game of the week if it wasn't the Ravens-Broncos. A real good game. A couple interesting coaching decisions in that one as well. Like the C- Seattle, maybe maybe a more forward-thinking coach goes for two late in the first half when it would have made it 21 nothing instead of 20 nothing. But then there's people that say, well, that might have saved the Falcons from themselves because had that been the case, the Falcons would have probably taken a knee at the end of the game instead of running down the field in two plays and kicking the field goal. But that John Fox, if he gave that line of reasoning to me, I would point to the Falcons game. They they moved down the field in two plays and, they, and won the game. And that was brought up, and he said, well, it's not a fair comparison because they were playing indoors, not 10, minus 10 wind chill, and they were behind, so they had to. But you have Peyton Manning. That's why you got Peyton Manning. But anyway. Uh, Good comeback by the Seahawks, especially after... Basically, they made up no ground in the third quarter, really, you know, because they did score there in the third quarter, but Atlanta answered back. So it was a twenty, essentially a twenty-point game going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, and I mentioned on the other podcast that felt a little bit like the indie game uh, that Atlanta won early in the seasons. Now Matt Bryant did it kind of on his own in the first half. He wasn't aided by a couple of Peyton Manning picks in this one, but they immediately got out to a quick start. Uh, going up 20 to nothing, hot start, and then they kind of faltered at the end and let it almost slip away. But it'll be interesting to see if they, they get undone by that at all this year, kind of letting teams stick around. They had a 20-point lead to, to win a game by two. It would have been the biggest home gag in playoff history. Yeah, the only I think the only comeback bigger than that is the Bills, Bills comeback game. Right, right. Which, but the Bills were the home, home team. team. right. So this would have been the biggest playoff whoops uh, for a home team ever. But obviously the Falcons saved their bacon, and we're going to talk more about this game with the Falcons beat writer, so I don't want to go much further than that on Sure. It. And the only other thing I'll say real quick is Seattle made that playoffs at 7-9, and nine, and they did it kind of on the strength of their running game, and their defense was starting to get good. And this year they deserved everything they got, minus maybe a, what do they call it, Hail Mary? Fail Mary. Fail Mary, right. Yeah. But they looked like a hot team going into the playoffs. And they Their were defense was great. Yep. Marshawn had an excellent year. Didn't have a good game Sunday. But, man, is Russell Wilson a good-looking quarterback? He he was phenomenal in this game. If My my point being, bringing up the other teams, is when you go 7-9 and nine to make the playoffs, you might not feel like your team is that good. You might feel like you had the benefit of a bad division, which they really did, even though they won one playoff game that year. Right. Now I don't remember that game. <laughs> Now, if you're Seattle, sure, you lost this game, but you weren't a team that was supposed to be fighting for a Super Bowl right now. I mean, maybe as the season went on, people thought that. But at the beginning of the season, people weren't thinking that about Seattle. But you've got to be thinking there. that next year. That That is a good good quarterback. And I'm pissed about that one, too, and we'll talk about that later. Uh, no reason to go too deep into New England. Houston, I think this is the classic yeah, it looked, like, of, it looked like the New England-Houston game of the regular season. It was what we thought it would be. Yep. I mean, Houston went on a little bit of a run. Sort of. It was 13-38. At the end of the yeah. second half, first half, I was oh, going to okay, say, okay. to make it 17-13 in halftime. But that was to get 10 points in a minute and 15 seconds. They needed to do that. It never felt close. And it never felt close. New England came out and scored the first three touchdowns of the second half. 38-13, and that leads us right into next week, I think. Our number two thing, and that is the, the look ahead. Here. The look ahead, the championship day Sunday. The first game's at three, and then the second game is at six thirty, I believe. Um, it's kind of been the way it's been for the last few years with the later start instead of like a one or a four. They're doing a three and a six thirty, and uh, I like it. Uh, two good games, I think. The 49ers travel to Atlanta. Yeah, I think um, this will be the better of the two games. Uh, it, I think you can easily make a case for both teams here in sure. this game to win. Um, San Francisco is actually favored on the road against Atlanta, so 
Atlanta still not earning a lot of respect despite being eight and one at home now. Yeah. Uh, with their win last week. That line has shifted though. We recorded the other podcast first and we do the pick four, like I said, and that line was five in favor of San Francisco on the road. It's down it to shifted four. to four, yeah. That, that's a lot of points on the road. I know San Francisco might be the hottest team in the league, and maybe that's what Vegas is kind of putting And you got to remember, on, Vegas just wants the money split. Split, right. So they're not necessarily saying San Francisco's four points better. Sure. They're just saying this that's is how people where are gonna we bet. think we can get 50-50, because right. that's what they're trying to do in reality. Um, but, I, you know... We don't pick the games on this show, but if I was forced to, I, it's just my, something about Atlanta. I just my guts with them right now. I probably would. Ra- I definitely would rather see San Francisco in this game. Sure, it'd be kind of uh, just. I mean, like we said on the last show, what's the best Super Bowl? And probably San Francisco. Probably San New Francisco and New England. Uh, it would be a really great story. Brady being from San Francisco area, playing against. Playing for a chance to tie his favorite player and Super Bowl wins. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to ride defense here a little bit on this one, too. I know the Vegas line is four right now, but I, I see this as a coin flip of a game. Uh, Atlanta has been great at home. They get the West Coast team traveling east. Granted, it is the later start, like you said, so it's not like they're playing at 10 a.m. It's like they're playing at noon or whatever. The but, thing I'd be worried about if I was Atlanta is the way Cam Newton attacked them very successfully right. in both of the games during the regular season, and that should be the blueprint that the 49ers would follow. The flip side of that is Russell Wilson does a lot of the same things that you might want to do with Colin Kaepernick, and Atlanta was pretty successful against the read option, which Seattle didn't use much, uh, maybe because of the deficit. So probably Atlanta wants to get ahead. Yeah, I would think so. I think that's where they'll be more, most comfortable. And, yeah, I guess that like that's about it. Like I said, that's a pretty evenly matched game. I think I think it'll be close. I think it'll be entertaining. Two good offenses, two solid defenses. Uh, Ravens Patriots. If you're a Ravens fan, this is probably when you want to turn it off. I don't think this game is close. I think it's going to look a lot like the Houston game, where maybe the Ravens stick around a little bit, but. I just don't see it. I, I think they've had kind of a magical postseason for them and Ray Lewis's last hurrah and all that stuff, but I don't see it. I think the Patriots go to another Super Bowl, which makes, what, six in like ten years or something? Yeah, Incredible. they won three, lost two. 2001 was the first one. So I I don't see a way the Ravens get out of this one. But then again, if you're the Ravens, that's probably what you're telling your team. Like if you're the coach, they're playing the underdog card. Yeah, anybody I is. think that they're – they're in house money mode right now. Sure. Right? They're playing with house money. Um, probably a lot of people picked them to beat. Pick them to be beaten by Denver. Beaten by Denver. Everyone right, right. picked them to be beaten by Denver. Right. But maybe there was some people on their side against the Colts. But yeah, yeah, I sure. even heard people saying, oh, with the Chuck Strong stuff and Andrew Luck. And, you know, there was people picking the Colts. It wasn't unanimous for the Ravens. People wanted the Colts to win because then they would have seen Luck and Manning. Right. Uh, so the Ravens have been playing this spoiler role, and you know you're not going to get Luck and Manning, and now you're not going to get Manning and Brady, and you're going to yep. get us anyway, and nobody's going to pick us, and we're just going to go out there and play with house money, and Joe Flacco is going to find and right Ra- his opportunities to get the ball down the field, and it's going to be up to the Patriots to not give up the big plays that the. Broncos did and not give the Ravens a pulse. Yeah. Ray Lewis. The Ravens are in this game in the fourth quarter. That's where maybe they can win it. But sure. if the Patriots can be the Patriots early and squeeze the life out of them, then. Yeah. Ray Lewis is as good as an emotional leader as maybe any team can have, but I, I just don't see it talent wise. And this one might be a case of oversimplifying it, but it's Joe Flacco versus Tom Brady. And I think you want, if you're just a general fan, I think the best Super Bowl out there is Patriots 49ers. And I think the second best one is Patriots Falcons. So I think if you just want a good day on Super Bowl Sunday, you probably don't want the Ravens. Probably not. Sorry, people of Baltimore. Um, But maybe we're wrong. And email us if we are. (laughs) I mean, if there's a big segment of people who really want to see this Ravens team in the Super Bowl and hear about Ray Lewis for two weeks, go ahead. All right, my last thing this week, real briefly. Like I said, this is actually a question posed to you. Uh, say that 
we expect like we expect Tom Brady wins this game against the Ravens and goes to the Super Bowl and regardless of opponent Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl. Is he the best quarterback of all time? Well, he's definitely got the resume at that point to make the argument. There won't be anyone left who has more Super Bowl wins than him. There already isn't anyone left who has more playoff wins than him. He's got the most appearances in Super Bowls too, right? He'll have he'll have six at that point. Um, he also took a franchise that had only hosted one playoff game um, ever before the Tuck Rule game. Right. So from and I think it was in 1978. And Patriots fans can correct me if I'm wrong, but from 1978 to 2001, they had. That, that was the gap in time that they had hosted a playoff game. When they went to the Super Bowl to be the poor team that had to get crushed by the 85 Bears, they were a wild card team, so they were on the oh. road for all those games. Um, and, you know, they were a team that was rumored to move a few times. And under Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, uh, everything has changed, obviously, for that franchise, and they become maybe the model. And uh, I think it would be a big thing for them to win one this year because they can get rid of the people who say they haven't won one post-Spygate. Right. And I honestly don't think that they won any of them because of Spygate. But there's that's something people can hang their hat on. So, so for me, the only argument personally, and I'm sure other people can make other arguments, but it's him or Joe Montana. I, I know Bradshaw also had four Super Bowl wins, but I don't think anybody uses him as the argument for the best quarterback ever, right? I mean, no, I think it's uh, usually Montana or Johnny Unitas. I've never Brady seen Unitas play, obviously, but right, neither did I. Manning, I Manning, I think needs to do it again. Yeah, his only Super Bowl win is against Rex Grossman. I mean, the one thing I will say about Joe Montana is I looked up his Super Bowl numbers, and they're phenomenal. Uh, he has something like 11 TDs, no, no interceptions. interceptions. His quarterback ratings are off the charts. His first Super Bowl was more of an efficient Super Bowl. He was only had 157 yards and a TD. He also led a game-winning last-minute Super Bowl drive yeah. against Cincinnati in the 88 season, 89 Super Bowl. What I will say, though. Dominated John Elway and Dan Marino, beat I, them in Super Bowls. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but... Joe Montana played with at least one player who was arguably the best football player right, Jerry Rice. to ever play. Not around in the first Super Bowl. So he won three okay, with right. Rice. Rice has four rings, but one with Young. Other than Randy Moss, Tom Brady's never had really much talent at all on that offense. He's never had much of a running game. Not that Montana had a great running game either. Yeah, he had Roger, he did have Roger Craig. Craig. Right. And Ricky Waters. Or, yeah, Ricky Waters. Well, he might have been with Young. But... That's the only, but Joe Montana also doesn't have the blemishes, uh, and and the rules are different. Brady's always going to have, if you hit him, he couldn't he couldn't win because that's how the Giants beat him. They hit him, and he was very average in those games. And 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 like I said, the rules are a factor. Yeah, you know, Joe Mon- when when Joe Montana played, you're allowed to hit receivers. You're allowed and- to hit receivers, and when Jerry Rice over the, went over the middle, he knew that. You know, there was a guy like Ronnie Lott who was on his team. Right. But there was a guy like that on the other side waiting to knock his head off. And so, I mean, it's tough when you're when you're debating eras. But I think with a fourth, someone can successfully make the argument. You could probably successfully make the argument right now. Well, that was my second question. If yeah. you, if you did say he was the best, would he be the best without it? Still, you could you could make the argument. And I think really, when you're talking about the best ever, all you're really doing is presenting an argument. Yeah, because nobody can ever know. I mean, I think that there's, like I said, a handful of guys that the argument can be made for. Right. That's the that's it. Always goes back to this for me, but that's the reason I think Jerry Rice is the best football player of all time. Because you can't make an argument anyone was ever better than him, right? A wide receiver, no. Right. Not at his position. Nope. And that brings me to my third thing, which is, who doesn't love the Pro Bowl? Right. <laughs> uh, Apparently, football players. Yeah, people are players are already bailing out of this thing like it's going to fight a fire. I mean, uh, Eli Manning has been replaced or is replacing Aaron Rodgers, who says he has m- multiple lower extremities. Injuries or just lower no? This extremities? Is, his quote is: "I have multiple lower extremities." 
Like more than two? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, he has in- injuries to multiple lower extremities, and um, he says he didn't pass his year-end physical. Of course he didn't. Wouldn't get into specifics. Um, it landed him on the injury report uh, during the second half of the season several times and has definitely been a problem. Uh, and he's replaced by Eli Manning, not Drew Brees, who was not one of the top four quarterbacks in the NFC despite passing for over 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. Amazing. Must have been those picks because Pro Bowl ballers, one thing they don't like is picks, Interceptions, yeah. <laughs> uh, and Calvin Johnson, who broke Jerry Rice's record um, and seemingly would have a very easy day at a Pro Bowl, yeah. um, uh, is not going to be there as well. He was on the team's final injury report with knee and ankle ailments, and the receiver said earlier in the season that nerve damage uh, after being hit in the head and neck area earlier in the season by Chad Greenway was also a problem. What a joke. Uh, Randy Claddy, or Ryan Claddy, has withdrawn for the poll because of an injury. Uh, that's a Broncos player, and he, he didn't play in the playoff game. All right, so that's... So he's being replaced by Bengals tackle Andrew <laughs> Whitworth. <laughs> so I wasn't going to watch the Pro Bowl, but now that I know that Andrew Whitworth is going to be in it, Yeah, Bengals I'll fans will be glued to their set now. And by the way, Adrian Peterson has said he plans to go all out in the game. I was going to say, this is the part where uh, people that listen to this program are going to roll their eyes, but uh, to kiss Adrian's ass a little bit, he did say as soon as they were eliminated, I, I'm excited for the Pro Bowl and I'm going to yeah. play hard. He's already won one Pro Bowl MVP. He really played hard. What would he rush for? Three hundred yards. Guys would get out of his way. <laughs> what are they gonna right. Do? I mean, does anyone want to take Adrian Peterson head on? It's such a stupid. Uh, we get to this point every year. Maybe not. I mean, this is the first year of this podcast, but people don't like the NHL and the NBA All Star Games because they're a joke exhibition. But to that, I say, okay, I go into that knowing it's a joke exhibition. They do fun things. I remember watching the end of one of the basketball all-star games where guys just got out of their way, and it was kind of an impromptu slam dunk competition. Yeah, or three-point contest, yeah. up and down. Hockey's kind of the same way. Guys don't try all that hard. But guys There's not much hitting. try to do things that they wouldn't normally do. Skilled which is, stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I'm okay with that. I go in with that understanding. These football games are played exactly the way a football game will be played, except for the fact that nobody hits anybody. Right, and there's rules against blitzing, right? Yeah. You can't blitz in this game. The The only wrinkle they really throw into it that makes it fan-friendly that I can think of is they have like a fan text in a play he wants called or something <laughs> along those lines. It just it doesn't work. I've oh, said in the horrible. past I'd rather have an all-star game. I think I must have been on the other podcast. This is our first one here. I would rather you pick a Pro Bowl lineup. And then have them play kickball, or watch <laughs> watch them bowl, or something like that. Vo- like, sand volley- volleyball, punt passing. Yeah, sure, punt passing, kick competition, something like that. Because watching guys pretend to play football is stupid, or just have them play flag football. Yeah, do what it is with it. Pro Bowl doesn't work. Take the helmets off, have them play flag, or football. don't have it, and just name the teams for contract incentives and sure. Hall of Fame voting purposes. It, it's it's the worst. I. I watch every hockey all-star game end-to-end as much as purists hate it. I can't remember ever sitting down and watching an entire NFL Pro Bowl. Bring back the quarterback competition where, the, where they hit the targets on the golf carts. Yeah. That's cooler than this. Well, I don't know. I, I, uh, <laughs> we ran out of music. I'm going to skip it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to. I don't even know. Hard. Is it next weekend or is it after the Super Bowl? That's right. They put it before the Super Bowl some years, don't they? I don't even know the answer to that. It's must right miss now. TV. Um, but I don't even know how you find out the answer. Like, oh, yep, it's in between. Perfect. The Pro Bowl is Sunday, January 27th. I'm going to have a Pro Bowl party at my house. 7 o'clock on NBC, the AFC All-Stars versus the NFC All-Stars. Is it? Okay. We, I, we don't usually beg for emails or anything. But I'm somebody out there or anybody listening that loves the Pro Bowl, please write in and defend it. Yeah, tell please. us why you like it. I, I want to hear how this is watchable. I, I Like I said, make it flag football. It's what it is anyway. All right, we're going to be right back with Mark Bradley from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
Our guest today lives in South Cobb, Georgia, and is a graduate of the University of Kentucky. He never played wide receiver for Oklahoma or the Chicago Bears, but has spent the last 25 years writing for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He's making his first appearance on the podcast today. A warm football nation and sportscasters welcome to Mark Bradley. How's it going, Mark? Uh, good. I also never fumbled a punt in the Orange Bowl. Never. Uh, so, uh, in uh, in a game, my team lost fifty five to nineteen. So and everything was going great up until that fumble. By the way, um, I don't know if everything was going great. Well, it was what seven seven at the time. Uh, it, was, I think? Uh, it wasn't going well after. No, after, uh, big turning point. That. Big turning point. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yes, I, I was there, and I remember I wrote that uh, the um, the guy with the worst, the best name in the history of football, <laughs> uh, uh, made the worst play. Uh, it's so, uh, yeah, Mark Bradley, what can I say? Yeah, that was ugly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, thanks for being on the show today. The Falcons, the Falcons have been really tricky for us because... <laughs> They've been tricky for us. One, one of us is a, me, a diehard Saints fan uh, since oh, way back, sorry. so not a big yeah. Falcons fan. Uh, but still, putting that aside... Just never been able to gauge this team. You know, real quickly, I wanted to put the label of I don't care what you do in the regular season. You have to do it in the playoffs. And, you know, then maybe like that Giants game was a little bit of a turning point. Maybe they're not giving this team enough respect. But there was still games like the Carolina game that they won where you're just like, well, man, that just seems so lucky or something. It just didn't add up. And. The first playoff game comes along, and still it doesn't quite add up for me. Tell me why. Tell me why I'm wrong about this team. Uh, why? Why you're wrong that it doesn't add up? Yeah, it just. Uh, I'm not sure you are wrong. Okay. Uh, I, th- I think that you, a lot of it doesn't add up. Uh, you know, if you go by the uh, advanced analytics. Uh, the Falcons were the eighth best team in the league this year, even though they tied for uh, tied for uh, Denver for having the league's best record. Um, yeah, you know, if you if you went into last week's game, uh, most of the most of the national media was picking Seattle, and this week the Falcons uh, opened as an underdog and uh, have become an even bigger underdog uh, in the past twenty four hours. So it, it's. It's pretty strange, but uh, um, I think what what people are overlooking a little bit is that the Falcons are pretty good at winning close games, uh, and we saw that again on uh, on Sunday. Uh, and and I have to I have to I have to say that with 31 seconds to go and then 1.9, I still thought they were going to win because I have seen this team with this quarterback win that game so often. Over yeah. the last few years, that uh, that I fully expect them to win that game. It took them two passes and uh, a field goal, and that's they they've made a living on that uh, ever since uh, this quarterback came here in two thousand and eight. And he did he did it in college too. I remember a couple of unbelievable he, late fourth quarter comebacks by Matt Ryan in college. I remember him beating Virginia Tech, if I'm not mistaken, on the road in the rain. Yeah, uh, yeah, he was uh, he was pretty good. Uh, well, why was it a close game? Because I kind of dozed off a little bit when it was like twenty to nothing, and then next thing I knew, I was watching the Seahawks just kind of storm back. So I guess that's the opposite side of that coin of of why it doesn't quite add up. Yeah, they're great at winning a close game, but that didn't need to be a close game, did it? Uh, well, it didn't. I mean, they were they were winning twenty to nothing and twenty seven to seven, and they had scored on five of their first six possessions. But you know, Seattle's pretty good, yeah. and uh, the Falcons made one mistake that the one mistake that they they couldn't make, which was that they they threw an, uh, an early interception uh, uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, early in uh, early in a possession, and uh, that got Seattle's uh, rally jump started, and uh, and once the uh, once the Seahawks cut it to. Uh, Six, you had every expectation that they were probably going to score to, uh, to go ahead. Question was, were they going to leave enough time for the Falcons? And they left 31 seconds, and they got beat. Has there been a lot of talk about why the Falcons took their timeout 
with so much time on the clock? And there has been some talk, yes, and yeah. Mike Smith exp- tried to explain that yesterday. Uh, the reason was that the play thrown, uh, the the pass thrown to Tony Gonzalez uh, for the first uh, for the second uh, completion right. on the last drive uh, was not expected to get them as far down the field as it did. Uh, they, uh, but he broke a tackle and got a little further. Uh, and they, they basically, they took a timeout because they weren't exactly sure where they were. Okay. Uh, and they had, they had to kind of decide pretty quick if they were going to run up the line and throw the ball downfield again or spike the ball or, uh, or play for the field goal or, or what. Um, I, I would agree that they, in, in retrospect, uh, they did call it too soon. They should have run it down to, to six uh, or five or three or two or one seconds. Right. But they didn't. And uh, that did leave Seattle a little, little time. And then compounded with uh, the, the world's worst onside kick, which wasn't supposed to be an right. onside kick. That was a miscommunication between coaches and kicker. Uh, I mean, it left, it left uh, Seattle with a chance to throw Hail Mary into the end zone. And I think most of most of the world remembers what happens when Seattle throws Hail Marys <laughs> into the end zone. I mean, yeah. you know, it was it was a good thing Julio Jones uh, came down uh, with the ball cleanly for the Falcons. Yeah, he snatched that one out of the air. That was yeah, well, he's pretty good. Yeah, he so, is pretty uh, good. Anyway, that. yeah, but no, that that's uh, that's you know that's a legitimate question, and uh, it it, uh, it it you know I think if Mike Smith had it to do again, he wouldn't have done it the same way, but. His explanation was that they weren't entirely sure where they were, and they weren't sure if they were in makeable field goal range or or, or uh, a 50-yard field goal range. As it turned out, they were they were they were just uh, inside 50 yards. So you said that there was a miscommunication. So somebody said squib kick, and the kicker heard onside kick. No, uh, yeah, that, I think that's what happened. They've not said exactly what they were wanting to do, but. But clearly, they did. They have said that they didn't want to kick it deep and let the uh, well, return man right. have a crack at it, and they didn't want to kick it ten yards, uh, which is what they ended up doing. Right. So I, I, I think we can just by process of elimination, we can think that they wanted to kick it in between long and short, and they ended up kicking it not long at all. And uh, it, it looked horrible at the time, and uh, and when Seattle's throwing the ball in the end zone with on, on the last play of the game. Uh, you know, if that ball bounces the other way, Mike Smith uh, never gets, uh, never overcomes that one. But uh, um, as it turned out, his team won, and uh, he's uh, he's a playoff winner. Is Matt Ryan the guy who got off the hook the biggest? Spot? Well, I mean, he got himself off the hook. Yeah, I mean, that last drive was pretty pretty spectacular. Uh, and and you know, I, I, I've said this. Uh, I don't know that it had really registered for me until the other day. Um, as good as Matt Ryan is, you know, for, during most games, he's, he's pretty good. I mean, I think we have to admit. Yeah. Uh, he he might be the best guy in the league in that situation. I mean, he's had, I think it's like 23 come-from-behind drives or, or 23 game-winning drives and 15 come-from-behind victories in, in five years. And, I mean, he's... You know, if you look up Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers hasn't had that. Uh, the uh, not to say that Moran is as good uh, and every down quarterback as Aaron Rodgers, but but I think in, at that at the end of the game there is something about Ryan, and uh, he uh, he uh, he showed it again the other day. I mean, he he sure did, did it yep. his rookie year against Chicago. He he won a game that the Falcons had uh, managed to fall behind with 11 seconds to go, uh, and he hit. Uh, uh, a long pass to Michael Jenkins, and they kicked a field goal and won. Uh, you know, I, I believe that was like the third time in NFL history that a team had fallen behind with 11 seconds left and had managed to win. Uh, and that was pretty spectacular. That was against Chicago. Uh, this year, he had uh, he had, two, uh, he had a great drive against uh, uh, Carolina and yep. a great drive three weeks later against Oakland. And uh, every time, all four of those games, counting Seattle and the Chicago game. They were going the same way. He worked the same side of the field, and uh, the kicker was aiming at the same pipes. Uh, you know, it, it just seems like when they got it going that way uh, on this field, they're pretty uh, they're uh, pretty remarkable. Let's look ahead a little bit. And you mentioned Carolina, and one guy who had a lot of success against the Falcons this year was Cam Newton, and they're going to face a somewhat similar style, or I would assume a somewhat similar game plan 
uh, with Colin Kaepernick this weekend. Does that maybe the one thing that the 49ers need to prepare most, or excuse me, the Falcons need to prepare most for in the 49ers is how they're going to stop the read option type offense that's yeah, well, so vogue faced, this year? They faced the read option uh, against Seattle, and they actually did pretty well with it. Uh, the, the, the Seahawks didn't get a whole lot of uh, running off, uh, uh, yards rushing off the read option. I think they only ran the play eight times, and yeah. the Falcons managed to handle that pretty well. Um, what the yards Russell Wilson did get were off scrambles, uh, and and that that was uh, that was uh, troubling if you're a Falcon fan, and, and certainly the fact that he threw for 380 yards is troubling. But I, I'm not sure that uh, this quarterback, uh, the San Fran man, is going to come in and throw for 380 yards. Uh, I, I think. Um, you know, I, as someone who is who has been around a little while, um, I, I think that the I, I, I'm not sure that that uh, Kaepernick is is the is is quite the same um, issue that uh, that Russell Wilson was. Uh, I, I think Wilson was was clearly the better passer, and uh, and the Falcons. Uh, you know, ended up paying almost paying the the heavy price for it. But uh, <laughs> excuse me, they did win the game. Um, I'm not sure Kaepernick's going to be able to run through him. I, 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 certainly, I don't think he's going to run through him the way he did. <laughs> excuse me again against uh, Green Bay. Right. I mean, where it looked like basically he was just playing uh, you know tag or flag football out there. He was, uh, you know, he he was just he looked like a you know. A, a, you know, a high school senior playing against junior high guys. Uh, I think the Falcons' uh, defense is a little better than that. So uh, if you were to look ahead and, and just say, you know, the Falcons have won the NFC Championship, then looking back, what happened in the game? Like, what are the keys for the Falcons to beat a pretty good 49ers team? Well, I, I think it would help to get ahead. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's, never, there's never a... Uh, you know they they have shown the ability to come from behind, as we we mentioned. But uh, um, the fact is, you know, uh, uh, they did start very well against uh, Seattle, and Seattle was was very lucky to still even be close at halftime. Um, it had messed up a couple of plays, and uh, uh, but the Falcons had left some points on the field too. So. Uh, um, you know, I, I think that uh, I, I think that it, it is will be a little bit different for the Forty ers uh, Wilson throwing got the got the uh, Seahawks back in the game. Uh, I'm not sure if you if you give the San Francisco quarterback uh, a 17 point deficit that he's going to be able to make the same throws that Wilson did. So getting ahead is the key for the Falcons this weekend. Um, Mark Bradley writes for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Uh, you can find a blog on his website. It says he's a blogging fool on there. You can also follow him on Twitter at MarkBradleyAJC. Um, real quick random question to close out. Totally off topic, but I'm a huge Greg Maddox fan. Do you think that Greg Maddox will be the first unanimous Hall of Famer next year? Um, well, I don't know. You have to get my vote first. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding kidding uh he uh you know he's you know i've there's never been a unanimous hall of famer and i'm guessing that there, there he won't be the first but i think he'd i think he'd be in the high 90 percentile uh votes gotten uh, i mean he was he was pretty good for a, a good long while and uh he uh, you know we got we got spoiled here in Atlanta because we got to see a lot of good pitchers and a lot of good pitching over the years but uh um you know to watch Maddox was was truly something special and uh, it's just nearly as special was to hear him talk about pitching it was like right. you know going to going to uh going to class uh and uh, pitching uh you know uh the pitching a uh, 501 or something i mean he really he was. Uh, he he might have been the smartest baseball player who ever who's, who I've ever been around, and uh, um, he's just um, he was a good guy too, and a funny guy, and a great teammate, and you know, um, and uh, there's there's nothing uh, no flies on Greg Maddox. 
It'll be great if uh, Maddox and Glavin get to go in together too. It'll be a great year. Great. I would think they would. Yeah, yeah. I would think yeah. so too. Both I would 300 think game winners. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So it would be a great summer for Atlanta, especially if they're still celebrating uh, whatever happens at the end of this football season. I can't say I'm rooting for a Tracy Porter moment for the Falcons, but after talking to Mark Bradley, maybe you soften me up a little bit. Uh, thank well, you very I don't know. Much. I mean, they, they've uh, they've been hanging in here uh, pretty good. I mean, they're they're kind of do something to go right. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're about they're about thirty years overdue for something to really go right. Yeah, but, well, uh, that's how I felt in two thousand ten, and uh, well, Tracy go. Porter so, made it right. So, uh, thank you yeah. very much for being on the show. We really appreciate your time. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. All right, this is the last segment of what has been a very chatty week of Sportscasters podcasting. <laughs> it has been. Uh, check out Season 3, Episode 8 of the Sportscasters proper, featuring interviews with the creator of Deadspin, Will Leach, and college hockey columnist Ken Schott. Kind of a niche interview there, but something that excites us. Yeah. www.sports-casters.com. You can also find it on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, and be sure to listen to this podcast next week to find out if one of our guests on the other podcast next week is a very prominent figure in pop culture. Semi-recent pop culture, yeah. yeah. Um, it just might be, I think. I'm 90% sure, but I don't want to jinx it. You talk about us being chatty. It, yeah. it really, to me... Is about listening to that Flacco to Jacoby Jones. That's what's highlight. got us going. Yeah, it, it, just... I get all giddy from it. You can find that on NFL.com by searching the Baltimore Ravens videos for and then Flacco to Jones. So yeah, sure watch, they watch that they want you to watch three hours of ads. Don't forget to find us on at sports underscore casters on Twitter and our friends at Football Nation are at Fball Nation. You can email us at the sportscasters at gmail.com. We always appreciate that. Don has called you out. Pro Bowl lovers. He wants emails from you about why the Pro Bowl is watchable. Yeah, I think that's like a comedian that calls out. Like I, I heard a joke somewhere that comedians will call out ugly people because nobody's going to come up to them after the show. You know what I mean? Like that. You know who I think is an underrated comedian? Just to get on one last tangent, Pauly Shore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely Pauly Shore. But right behind him is Ray Romano, because. Um, I think there's a lot of people who maybe didn't like his show because maybe it was... Because the wife is obnoxious. Yeah, maybe that reason, or they didn't like the mom, or that's just not their kind of humor. But as a stand-up comedian, Ray Romano is very, very dry and uh, somewhat funny. And I bring this up because recently he was one of the presenters of Led Zeppelin at the um, Kennedy Center's Honor uh sure why wouldn't he yeah and uh he made a really funny joke about not giving up when you're he was talking about not giving up when you're down by one for some reason and president obama was there and he's like you know if you're down one nothing in the world series you don't you don't give up he was talking about how his initial sitcom was canceled okay and he's like if you're down one nothing in the world series you don't give up he's like if you're down in debates one to nothing you don't (laughs) give up uh and it was just fun i guess it was more funny at the time than anything uh just because obama was there i like ray romano yeah he's he's funny uh but uh that brings us to listener email another thing we didn't need to talk about today that we did um Yes, Stephen Don. With most of the league, including including your teams, done for the year, uh-huh. have you thought at all about the draft and any players or positions that the Saints slash Bills should focus on? And that's from Josh from Colorado. Why don't you go first? Because that'll lead me right into my one more thing. Well, yeah, I've thought about it, and I know that it needs to be a defensive player. Uh, I haven't thought about who. Uh, probably either a rushing end. Or someone who can cover on the outside. Uh, Also, a linebacker wouldn't hurt. (laughs) So um, I guess I'm saying I'm pretty open to the best defensive player on the board. Probably not a safety, though. I think I'm pretty happy with the Jenkins-Harper combo for now. Um, So as long as that stays intact, 
I think I'm okay with the safeties, but I'm pretty much open to anyone in the front seven or a cornerback. All right, then. Mine is obviously a quarterback, which brings me to one more thing. I watched Russell Wilson, a third-round draft pick, and Colin Kaepernick, a second-round draft pick, look phenomenal in their games. And my thing is actually more about Russell Wilson, who lost. That guy looked incredible in that game. He had the poise of a veteran. He played a great, great game. Nobody can say they lost because of anything that he did. And he was a third-round draft pick, which is well-documented now. And I know, with the exception of like New Orleans with Breeze and New England with Brady and Denver with maybe Manning and uh, Green Bay with Rodgers, every other team in the league should be pissed that they passed on this kid. But I can't think of a team that would be more pissed than my team. They haven't gotten a guy at quarterback in God knows how long. Uh, and they, the other aggravating thing is they've come, kind of come out publicly afterward and said, yeah, we liked Russell Wilson, and yeah, we liked Colin Kaepernick. Well, you took Aaron Williams and TJ Graham, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. If you're afraid of Russell Wilson because he's a project, then why did you draft a project wide receiver? Best case scenario for TJ Graham is maybe he morphs into a guy like Percy Harvin, who I really like. This isn't a knock on TJ Graham or Percy Harvin. But that doesn't win you championships. A guy like Russell Wilson that maybe is a project, if he doesn't work out, then you scrap him and you go on to the next quarterback. Instead, you didn't even try for him, and he's throwing for almost 400 yards in a, in a divisional playoff game and rushing for another 60 or something like that in a game where people talk about how he was kind of not using his legs much. He ran for 60 yards. He, he just played a phenomenal, phenomenal game. He had all the poise in the world. This team isn't stacked at receiver or anything like that. He made them all. He's made Tate and Sidney Rice. He's had like a revival for Sidney Rice. Tate looks great all of a sudden because of Russell Wilson. And like I said, I'd focus more on him than Colin Kaepernick, but the Bills drafted Aaron Williams instead of Colin Kaepernick. Again, I know a lot of teams passed on Kaepernick, but the Bills have nobody and they passed on another guy. That's kind of a project. Harbaugh saw something in this guy and benched his quarterback who had like four losses for his career or something crazy like that for him. Yet the bills can't even think about taking a little bit of a risk on a quarterback. There's more risk, not drafting a quarterback when you don't have one, than there is in drafting one, just find one that works. And it makes me, I'm happy for these kids. They look phenomenal. They're fun to watch, but it, I'll watch the games and I'll just be like, wow, what a rookie. And I think happily of it. And the longer I watch, the more pissed off I get as a Bills fan that I don't have anybody like that, even in the system. I like to keep it. One last thing for me. I like to keep an eye on Football Nation. And there's a really good story on there today by Tom Pollan. Um, it's his, in his opinion, the 10 greatest AFC and NFC conference championship games. And as I was going through it, I was really excited that he thought that the NFC championship game between the Saints and the Vikings was the third best championship game of all time. And also on the other podcast, we got into a discussion, Will Leach and I, about the moments and how no matter what happens after the fact, the moments that make up the games can never be taken away from you. And that's why I want to say to anyone who has a rooting interest in these games this weekend and going forward to the Super Bowl Make sure you enjoy it. Uh, it doesn't come around every year. Uh, moments like Tracy Porter picking off Brett Favre and then picking off Peyton Manning two weeks later, they just aren't there every year. And if you let it pass you by without enjoying it, you're making a big mistake. Uh, I know that part of you is going to be watching these games and be very nervous. And um, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. There certainly was in both of the Saints NFC Championship game and uh, the one they lost to Chicago, there was ups and downs. The one they won in Minnesota, there was ups and downs. In the Super Bowl they won, they were losing 10 nothing. They were the first team to erase that kind of deficit in a Super Bowl. Uh, but we talked, me, Will and I talked about how you know, just because PEDs came out 
after Maguire hit that home run. It doesn't steal that moment. And when the NCAA tries to pretend that some team on probation didn't win national championships that they won, as a fan, it shouldn't take away that moment. And whether there's a scandal or not related to the Super Bowl team, and I talked a little bit earlier about the Patriots and how they um, have had this cloud of Spygate over them and haven't won a Super Bowl since, I don't think it takes away any of the moments, the kicks by Venetari or the forced fumble that they recovered. Um, and there's that tuck rule. I, I just don't think it takes away anything. And I don't think that Bounty Gate will ever take away Tracy Porter pointing at the end zone for me. And I don't think it should for you or your team either. And I guess what I'm saying is just enjoy every second of anything your team does from this point on because it's so hard to get there. Spend my days with a woman unkind Smoke my stuff and drink 